He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you on a Tuesday to get you ready for everything that will take place in the world of golf this week. Riviera, Tallahassee, and everything in between. But first, we want to tell everybody right now. Yesterday, I gave you homework. I told you to go to golfoklahoma.org and subscribe to the email list. If you haven't done that, do that first before you forget right now. And while you're there, you can see or you can listen to the podcast right there at golfoklahoma.org. You can't miss it. Right there at the homepage. Scroll down just a hair. You'll see my face, Sam's face, and unfortunately Taylor's face is on there as well. (laughs) Go there, listen to the podcast, and uh, we will appreciate every last listen that we get. Gentlemen, a lot of good golf to be played this week. Why don't we start down in Tallahassee where, if I'm not mistaken, OU and OSU have both Pretty much changed course, saying they were supposed to, supposed they were supposed to play to somewhere else, right? Down to Houston, and then obviously... And the, then it snowed in Houston. Yeah, it snowed in Houston somehow, in the hot, the most muggy place on the planet. I don't know how it snows in Houston, but it did. And so now uh, I was actually uh, playing some Rocket League with Scotty Buckets, a.k.a. Quade Cummins, the other day, and he's like... Scotty we're going, Buckets? Scotty Buckets. Is there a backstory that can be shared yeah, on the I don't know. Week. It's just his, it's his Xbox name. But gonna, anyway. At some point, we're going to get Quade on the show, and we're going to ask him what Scotty Buckets... <laughs> hey, we know how important an Xbox name can be. Oh, yeah. Going back to Call of Duty. It's make or break. No, but he was saying that they're going down to Tallahassee. I also talked to Austin Ekra. He said that they're going down to Tallahassee as well to make up for that Houston tournament. Um, and so this is going to be a big semester for Ekro and Quake Cummins and also Garrett Reband. Um, talking about this PGA Tour U thing, um, basically uh, Quake Cummins is in sixth. Austin Eckrode is in third as far as uh, PGA Tour U goes, and Garrett Reband of OU is in seventh as well. And Colby can explain the PGA Tour U a little bit better as well. Yeah, so. I mean, PGA Tour U is, is something phenomenal that the PGA Tour has done. And essentially, it's, I think, giving college players uh, incentive to go back because if you get yourself high enough up in the PGA Tour rankings, you can get uh, some exemptions. So basically, one through five on the PGA Tour U list, fully exempt into the Corn Ferry. We'll receive Corn Ferry Tour membership and will be exempt into all open, full-field events beginning the week following the conclusion of the National Championship through the conclusion of the Corn Ferry Tour regular season. So they bypass Q School. They bypass Q yeah, School. That is huge. No, and reshuffles, oh too. Yes, it's it's so huge. And um, what, when it, when is Nationals generally? First of May? Uh, yeah, Middle first, of May. first, second week so of May. So that gives, yeah. them, gives no, them essentially Nationals, three months. It, I think it actually goes into into May, June time, right? It, I'm it, trying to remember. Yeah, Ma- Nationals goes in after school ends. So that's Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah. It is after classes are yeah. over. Yeah. So then finisher 6 through 15 on the PGA Tour U rankings will receive membership onto one of the PGA Tour's international tours. So they'll get to choose between uh, PGA Tour Latino American, the McKenzie Tour, which is PGA Tour Canada, or PGA Tour Series China, and will be pretty much the same thing, exempt into all open full field events from the national championship through the end of the current season. Now, Tyler, I would assume you, you probably know a lot more about these mini tours. Most guys who have the choice between between Canada, Latin America, and China are probably going to choose 
the McKenzie Tour in Canada, right? You, you would think so, yeah. And I got pulled up right here. Sam, you're exactly right. The uh, um, Division One Championship this year is May 28th through June 2nd at Greyhawk in Arizona. An awesome Oh, having it at Greyhawk. Yeah, awesome. it's, um, yep. th- they used to have a big AJGA there when I was younger. I'm not sure if they still do. The Thunderbird. But... Brad Dalkey won it. Yep, Youngest yep, winner exactly. ever. Yep. How far of a drive is that? Probably too far. That's probably 20 hours. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit. Yeah, we got a short and cheap flight out to Scottsdale. Just yeah, fly. Right. Yeah, right. and going into flights kind of segues into it, boys, of why you, know, you think Canada is the more likely option between Latin America and China. I mean, and I think especially now, guys, in particular, since COVID has started, I think there's less emphasis to want to travel. And of of my friends that I've had who have tried to go the mini tour route, it's kind of about 50-50 between um, Canada and Latin America. Um, I actually caddied for one of my friends who made it through Latin America Q School. And, um, you know, he, he had a... Was this old uh, Willie? It was Willie, yep. Willie, shout out Willie, Willie, Willie Wilhelm Bockstrand out of Norway, shout out. And um, Listens you know, in Norway. We get some decent listeners in Norway. <laughs> we, we appreciate Willie. Willie's the man. We love our, we love our worldwide crowd for sure. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, like I said, boys, I think that... I think you're exactly right, Colby. I think the Canada Tour will definitely take precedence over that. And I think... I think COVID even emphasized that more because people aren't going to want to uh, travel as much because, I mean, just think about how far away is Canada compared to playing in Colombia, Brazil, um, all these other places. Are you playing over in China? I mean, you're flying forever. So I well, think that... It, yeah, in China, I was going to mention China, actually, it, with this COVID situation, um, it kind of takes that option out, I think. Um, I don't know if they're still going to do PGA Tour China, but I'm not sure that guys like Charlie Saxons who have go- gone over there and dominated China. Tremendous success Ma- Max over- McGreevy dominated yeah. in China. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so... I- I don't know as far as COVID goes how much of an option China is. Yeah, so. when it, when unfortunately it was the epicenter of all this, that that yeah. kind of that kind of holds it back. And so yeah, I think Colby, you're exactly right. I think that Canada will go that way. And you know, one thing too, like whenever we had Taylor, we had Taylor on and we had Steve Ball on, who both mentioned the fact that you know those Canada courses aren't necessarily long; they're right. kind of short and narrow. So it our puts- guy Michael Gellerman also made it on the PGA or made it on the Corn Ferry Tour through Canada. That's how Gooch got there. Finished Taylor, in the top five in Canada. And Taylor then, Moore as well, and then made yeah. it. And then made it on the PGA Tour from the Corn Ferry Tour by his win at Blue Hills. And kind of seems City. like the route for the local guys. Yeah. I mean, Gellerman, Moore, Gooch all went through Canada yep. and have gotten themselves status on both Corn Ferry and PGA Tour. And you know they're playing up in in Canada, so you think it's cold. They play in the summer, but I mean, we know we look just outside. You know, Oklahomans, we're used to playing in bad weather. And whenever we had, I can't. I think it was Steve who brought this point up where. Um, they looked at Taylor's stats when he was playing on Canada and noticed that he was had was fairly low in par four birdies. And they're like, okay, well, why is this? Well, every par four out there is relatively short, so put two and two together, wedge game's not there. So, you know, that's kind of the, the game that you need to play out there. And with the easy access that it has compared to the other two options, especially, like you mentioned, Sam, with, with, with China, because it's kind of – Kind of ironic, PJ Tour you think came out, what, two weeks before we had the COVID break, essentially, or maybe even during the break it came out. So, fairly interesting in that aspect. But, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. I would be surprised if any of these guys had the option if they chose to not go to Canada. Maybe the only reason they would is a little less lack of competition. That would be the only thing I could and think And another of. thing is the uh, Canada Q School is coming up here in the next month there's, or so. Uh, out in, I know that there's a bunch of – or there's maybe four or five different locations – um, but I know that uh, a lot of local guys are going out to Arizona to try to qualify to get into Canada. Yeah, okay, so they can actually qualify in Arizona. You, you which have to would... qualify to get unless you played on the tour last year. I just didn't realize so, that you oh, could yeah. qualify in the U.S. and then go play in Canada. Yeah, yeah. For, for whatever reason, I thought the qualifiers would be in Canada. Well, I just yeah, made and that it's assumption. also interest, in, interesting. A bunch of college guys um, 
that they're still in school while they are allowed to go play in the Canada Q school qualifier uh, while they're still in school um, to propel them into the summer. And so, okay, yeah, give them a schedule. Yeah, so. one, um, our friend Cody Burroughs, all, all three of our friends actually, he, um, I was talking to him the other day, I think he got his site location about a week or two weeks ago, and unfortunately I can't remember where it's at, but I know that they've had an Arizona, California, Florida, um, Mexico even. I mean, they have them yeah. all over, guys, and so – I think that that's really the only way. That's the only way to get into the Canada besides doing the PGA Tour U, which is something that this this is the first year that we're going to get to experience it. And I, I think it, like you said earlier, Colby, it helps you know keep these people to want to stay and go back to college, and also just gives them more incentive to to want to do it because we know how challenging Q school can be in trying to get out there and gain status. I have one question for you that I've wondered about this PGA Tour U thing. Um, if you won or finished second in the USAM um, and then finished top five on PGA Tour U, would you choose oh. to oh. go play in the Masters as an AM or have full Corn Ferry? I would choose full Corn Ferry every day of the week. I think I would choose full Corn Ferry. And that's the I- only way I'm not choosing Augusta because you, anybody who knows me knows that I love myself some Augusta National and the Masters, but full Corn Ferry just sets you up. Uh, better than anything else. Well, so. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, boys, but I got a legit question. Why is the difference between a player turns pro or stays an amateur determined if he plays in the Masters? He has that the same, is he, a whole because, different rabbit hole. Well, but, Bobby Jones, but the but, whole but amateur status thing. But You, you won the tournament. You finished second. Who I cares what your like, status? I kind of feel like that ship has sailed. I, I think that the, the USAM exemptions into the major championships should live on even if you turn pro. I, it has I, to. I think, I think all we're doing is taking opportunities away from, from the best these players. Pl- from the best players. Yeah. I think we're taking the opportunity for them to turn pro- professional away from them if they still want to play Augusta. And a lot of guys do. A lot of guys stay because they want to play Augusta and they get in the US Open, obviously. Yeah. So I, I think that that's tough. When we look at the PGA Tour U ranking, so obviously there's two big cutoffs. One through five is a big cutoff, and then six through 15 is a big cutoff. So right now, the top five, John Pack at Florida State, Chun on you at Arizona State, Austin Eckroat at Oklahoma State, Davis Thompson at Georgia, and Sandy Scott at Texas Tech. So two players in the Big 12 there in the top five. These are the guys who would have full corn fairy status for the rest of the season after the national championships. And then you get into a couple of OU guys that are just on the outside looking in. So Eckroat's in there at three, but then at six and at seven, we've got Quade Cummins and Garrett Reband, and both of those guys are a mere, let's see, 30 and then about 45 points away from that five spot. So theoretically, if those two guys could bump out Davis Thompson and Sandy Scott, uh, then we could have three of the top five in PGA Tour U could very realistically be from Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Exactly. And another important thing to understand about this PGA Tour U ranking system, it's it's its own, it's its own deal. Um, it's not Wagger. It's not Golf Stat. I was looking at Data Golf Power Rankings, and Quaid was actually number four on Data Golf Power Rankings, yep. but he's outside of the top five on PGA Tour U. So that would be another rabbit hole to get into on how those are different. Um, but just for clarity, it's PGA Tour U's its own deal. It's not Golf Stat. It's not Wagger. It's it's it's, it's not a, the official it's its Amateur thing. World Golf Rankings. It's it's literally its own. It goes off of collegiate tournaments. I'm, I'm not sure the exact emphasis because you mentioned Colby, like so so and so is behind 50 points. Well, is that does it take a win to get 50 points? Is a yeah. is a top 15 sure, 50 points? I, I know strength of field. Yeah, that. I know that Golf Stat. Uh, a lot of it is how many guys in the top 50 that you beat 
like your record against top 50 guys. It's very very you know, similar so. to the official World Golf Rankings yeah. in that aspect. Yeah, and they are partnering with the World Amateur Golf Ranking to help with the rankings, but it's based on uh, what happens while they're in college. Uh, the ranking time period is the final two years of collegiate play. A player won't appear on the ranking list until the fourth year of collegiate play begins, so uh, until you've been there for four years, you can't be on the list, which, again, incentivizes somebody who's maybe teetering on whether they could make it pro, incentivizes them to come back to college, get higher on that PGA Tour U ranking, get yourself some exemptions, make your life a whole, whole lot easier when you don't have to go to qualifying with a bunch of other guys who are out there trying to make a living playing golf. Just like Quade Cummins, who graduated last year but came back and because of this PGA Tour Is he using his COVID season? Yeah, he's using his COVID season. And um, also, (laughs) just an aside, the NCAA makes a guy who has already graduated – Instead of just being able to take electives, he ha- he still has to start another major. So oh he was talking God. about what? that. So he he's taking tougher classes than he even was last year. So the NCAA is a whole another rabbit hole. Yeah, that's we don't have nearly enough yeah. time today. Maybe <laughs> no. maybe one day we'll just do an NCAA podcast where we talk about all the things that we think is wrong yeah. with how the NCAA treats. That student might be like a three or golfers. four parter though. <laughs> that's true. That would take us six hours to get through all of our beefs with the NCAA. Uh, all right, I'm Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys. This is the 73rd hole, the official podcast partner of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to golfoklahoma.org and check out the podcast and everything Golf Oklahoma has to offer right there. And make sure you subscribe to the email list today. Subscribe to Golf Oklahoma so you can get all the links and all the greatest content for golf coverage in this state. So one thing we were going to get into yesterday that we didn't have enough time was we've been doing some analytics research here lately. Website called Data Golf, looking at strokes gain, looking at all these different things. And Tyler, you came upon something that was pretty interesting. So why don't you dive into what you found, and then I think you've got a little guessing game for Sam and I to play. Yeah, I do, guys. I think y'all y'all really enjoy this. So essentially, when I was knocked out with the uh, appendix surgery, I was laid back and didn't have much to do. So I'm looking through some golf analytics, and I was thinking to myself, you know, who what who's had officially the best analytics year since they've started keeping track of these stats. Tiger and, is my guess. I'm going to guess Tiger. <laughs> uh, you're on the right track. So <laughs> so you go back and, and you look through it, and, um, you know, we, t- we always talk about the stats, guys. It's strokes gained off the tee, approach to green, around the green, and putting. Well, they only started keeping track of those numbers starting in 2004. Um, we on oh that's disappointing. I know it, but but on here we can go back and we can look at going back to I believe 1983 or something like okay. that on the on the total strokes gained, but it just doesn't separate it into each category. Oh, uh, so we can get like Tiger's total strokes gained in 2000, but we can't get his I'll, strokes gained approaching the green in correct, 2000. Correct. I will I will ask y'all later on what you think Tiger was in 2000 strokes gained. So Plus I went 14. <laughs> and it's pretty close, and so you know I went through and the, my my premise of this guys was to. Okay, let's figure out the guys who have, over the course of a year, gained more than two strokes per round on the field. So, my theory is, okay, how are these players doing it? Are they doing it more so off the tee? Are they doing it more so on their approach shots? Are they doing it, you know, are they around the green or are they are they putting? You know, which one of these is really the most important? Which one is gaining you the most strokes for the best players? Mm-hmm. And so, I, d- I did some dividing. I went through and I divided up into the guys who have averaged more than – more than two strokes per round gain. And I come to find out, guys, there have been, let me, I want to make sure I get the exact number here. One, two, three. There have been, since 2004, besides Tiger, there have been seven players to have had a year where they gained more than two and a half strokes per round on the field. Can you name those seven players and what year they were? And I will say this there was one player 
who did it twice, but technically he was exactly on 2.5 his other year, so he hasn't had more than 2.5. Okay. So, so, so you want us to name the player and try to name the year? I might as well. Why okay. not? Sam, you want to guess first? You want me to? Uh, BJ? VJ, VJ is the one who has who had 2.5, and he had it. Um, his other one was 2.77. You go, and what, what year we'll was We'll go BJ? back and forth. Cole. What uh, year was VJ? 2004 and 2005, back to okay. back. So, yeah, so we'll get it, out, get it out of the way pretty uh, easy. 04 is the year he won nine times, right? Yeah, VJ yeah. in 2004, when, he, took over when, we, number one. when, yes. when yeah. he had one of the worst years, he actually lost strokes to the field putting. Minus .06 strokes gained putting that what, year. What year? 2004. A VJ wow. lost lost strokes putting lost strokes oh, putting that's and he phenomenal. was still and he was still he gained positive. two two point seven seven or all gained one point oh three off the tee one point three five approach and point four three around when the he group. was doing like the reverse yes. claw long putter yeah that's <laughs> that's, that's every year for VJ yeah. uh, so okay, you got one I'll, down six I'll, left I'll go uh, I'll go twenty fifteen Jordan Spieth uh, twenty fifteen the year is right the player is wrong oh. Spieth is not on this list oh the year is right the player uh, is wrong he, Jason Day twenty fifteen Jason Day got it. Wow. Two, uh, 2.52. All right. Gain 0.68 around the putting, um, 0.88 off the tee, 0.6 approach, 0.31. Okay, let me write the these game. down so I can keep track. So we've got VJ and we've got Jason Day. Are we allowed to guess Tiger or not? I, I can tell you. Tiger, Tiger 2013? Tiger in 2004, 2005, <laughs> 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2000, and 2012. 12. Okay. And gained more than two point. And right. I actually did, did anybody else do it twice? Here, here's here's something. No, no one else has done it twice. VJ, he did it, and he did exactly 2.5. So I went through, and I averaged all these guys, right? So if you include Tiger, if you exclude Tiger, they, they, they all the, those seven guys averaged 2.66 strokes gained. And they averaged 0.44 putting, 0.34 around the green, 0.86 approach to green, and 0.83 off the tee. When you include Tiger into that, the, the total strokes gained is 2.99. So it's 0.33 strokes higher. When you include that, 0.59 compared to 0.44, so he gained 0.15 strokes more than the other guys. Actually, only one tenth higher on a pro, around the green and off the tee. That so he really had no much difference than those other great guys. Approach green fellas, 0.86 for the other guys, 1.3 when you include Tiger. Wow. Yeah, that's that, wild. that's just including him. That's not Greatest his numbers in general. Of all time. Yeah, that's why. Here's the years of Tiger's approach. I mean, he's gained 2004, one of his worst years ever. May I say, 1.16, 2005, 1.06, which was even worse. Wow. Two, 2006, 2.25. That sounds more like it. 2007, 1.94, 2008, 2.19. Um, On a broken leg. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 2008, 2.19, 2009, 1.62, and 2012, 1.45. All right. So my next guess is DJ this year. DJ this or year. Last, DJ 2020? Yeah. DJ These 20, last couple years. DJ 2020 was not – he is one of the players, but he was not on there. Last year, 2020, he only gained two strokes av, uh, total on the field. So, so you said DJ's on there, but the year was wrong? The year's wrong. Okay. okay. Let's go back to 2016 oh, or 17. I'm going to guess – Nope. No? Nope. 15? Nope. <laughs> the hell? What year was DJ crushing it? I mean, it's got to be one of You're these close. last – 2018. Okay. Uh, 2.66 on the field and we gained 1.09 off the tee and 1.06 uh, approach to green. So that's where uh, he gained most fish strokes. Okay, I'm going to guess. Is Phil on the list? Uh, Phil is not on the list. Okay, wow. I'm going to guess Phil, Phil 06. But Phil okay. in 2006, 2.37. 2.37. We're looking for 2.5 and above. Yes. Yeah, All right. Okay. My so next close. guess is Rory. Rory? When he played at Congressional, what year yeah, was Rory that? Yeah, Rory was my next one. Rory no, not, 12 not the was year, my next Not one. the year he played Congressional. Okay, okay. You're right on that, but not the year. Okay. I don't know the year then. Let's see. 2012. What's it the year 2012, he Rory? Kiwa? You're close. Kiwa? 
2009 was that year. Okay. But 2012, Rory? Yeah. Oh, but, but I was no, off by point oh one. No, no. The year was 2014. 14, okay. we won a Valhalla. Yeah, 2012, he gained 2.49, so he's really close. So, so how many was, we got left from Colby? So who are these other elite players? VJ, Day, DJ, Rory. We've got three more to go. Uh, two of them are... Uh, the, there's two of them. There's three. Actually, I'd be surprised if you... There's one of them I know y'all won't get. Um, the other two would be skeptical. I'll just go ahead and give let them me, out. Let, hold on, hold on. A shot in the dark. I, I'll, Luke, I'll, can Luke, I give you Luke, the Luke Donald when he got to number one. He Luke Donald in 2011, 2.44. So uh, no. I got one. Henrik Stinson. Henrik Stinson. That is a negative. 2016 about, Stinson was 2.25. Show me Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood in 2010. 2.41. <laughs> God, we got all the guys in the 2.4. I don't know. Just give it to I, us. Right, right, throw it at we'll us. be here all day. 2004, Ernie gained 2.8. Ernie. Ernie. How do we not get Ernie? The big easy. 2006, Jim Furyk okay. gained 2.78. Okay. Well, we're thinking too recent. Yeah. 2013, y'all will never guess this. 2013? Steve Stricker. 2.68. Strix. Gaining man. all those strokes off Stricker, the tee. Stricker in 2013. <laughs> Bombing it. Dial it back. <laughs> point, point 0.84 around the, or I'm sorry, point 0.84 putting, point 0.66 around the green, point 0.79 approach, point 0.49 off the tee. Tyler, That's about can, as steady as it gets. Can you please tell us how the equipment is the only reason that Jim Furyk <laughs> and Steve Stricker made this list? It's the only reason. I mean, well, I mean, we look back, equipment hasn't changed since 2006 and 2013. I mean, it's it's just eliminating these guys. Stricker almost won at Waste Management a few well, weeks ago, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, let's update, dial it back. Update Freaking the, idiots. For, yeah. <laughs> for, we for, got him going. Hey, yeah, we did get Taylor going. Colby, explain for the new Golf Oklahoma listeners kind of what we were talking about about Stricker and the and the dialing it back. Just, just yeah, so short it, summary. Yeah, so we just did this big partnership with Golf Oklahoma. So we've probably got some new listeners who weren't with us a couple of weeks ago. Essentially, when the USGA and RNA came out and announced that they were potentially going to dial back the distance, not just lengthening the shaft of the drivers uh, or, or putting a max on what the shaft length could be, but also dialing back the face, the, the, the springiness of the face, as well as the golf ball itself. We're not big fans of this idea. We think maybe golf course setup would be a better way to keep guys from taking advantage of golf courses. Uh, it gets Taylor very passionate talking about <laughs> the distance debate. And it was perfect because the week that they announced it was the week of Phoenix. And then Steve Stricker went out and nearly won the tournament. Uh, you know, Steve Stricker and Brooks Kepker in the final group, both with a chance to win, or third to last group, both with a chance to win the golf tournament right. with three holes left. And Brooks ends up getting it done and Stricker doesn't. But good stuff. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? Let's come back. We'll preview Riviera, the course itself. Then we'll preview the tournament. We'll give you the local guys. We've got about 10 local guys in the PGA event this week, another eight or nine in the Corn Ferry event this week. So we'll give you that full rundown. We'll give you our DraftKings picks, best bets, one and done picks, the absolute works. Make sure you keep it locked right here, the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. 
Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you. We are the official podcast partner of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Subscribe to their email list. You can listen to the podcast right there on the homepage as well. If you've been listening the last couple days, you're probably thinking, gee, when is this guy going to stop telling us to subscribe to the email list? Not until everybody's subscribed. If, yep. the, if the number of listeners matches up with the number of people subscribed, then I'll stop bugging you about it. Until then, do your homework. Go subscribe to the email list, golfoklahoma.org. Gentlemen, we have got a great tournament this week uh, at really one of the best courses on the PGA Tour, the Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles, par 71. Goes about 7,300. Poana Greens, which we've seen, you know, kind of rear its ugly head at times. Uh, we all know what those can get like in the afternoon. But we have a huge showing of guys with local ties this week on both the PGA and the Corn Ferry Tour. So why don't we just start with the guys on the Corn Ferry. I'll, I'll list them off. Peter Uline, Taylor Moore, who's from here locally in Edmond. Uh, Saxon is in the field. Gellerman, Creel, Doherty, Van Oswegen, who went to Oklahoma City University here in town. And then Max McGreevy, who, of course, won on the Corn Ferry Tour this past summer uh, or fall. I know his dad pretty well plays golf out here at the Greens. Uh, good guy. Really look, like to see Max have some success. So whenever you look at that, list. I just ripped off eight names there. Uline Moore, Saxon, Gellerman, Creel, Doherty, Van Oswegen, and McGreevy. Give me a name. Give me a name that stands out to you. Creel. Creel? Gamer. Yeah? Yeah. Oak Tree Gang. Okay. Where are they they playing at, by by the way, this week? Does anybody... The tournament is Lacombe Suncoast Classic, so let me look it up real fast. Lacombe Suncoast. Well, I'm I'm assuming Suncoast is probably Florida... Or Southern California. I'm going with my boy Timor. I, I think he's going to have a good week. He's yep. on, I've seen on, on the stories he's been out practicing out at um, down in Dallas. Tyler Moore. Absolutely. And I, I think he's going to have a good week. It looks like this is down in Lakewood Ranch, Florida. So yep. uh, same state as where the uh, college boys will be at starting next week. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I think I'm going to go Uline this week out of the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's the only one of the local guys who made the cut last week at Pebble. So I think maybe he can carry some of that across the country to Florida and play some good golf down there where it's warm. How about on the PGA Tour where we've got a bunch of local guys. Uh, when I say local guys, I'm talking about anybody with local ties. Doesn't have to be somebody from Oklahoma City, from Tulsa. Somebody with local ties in the state of Oklahoma. The two big names at the top, Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf. Those are the top 15 players in the world that everybody keeps a close eye on. And then the next two, just in a slight tier below those, Abraham Anser and Ricky Fowler. Uh, and then we get like down to Taylor Gooch, uh, Alexander Noren, Chuck, Chucky Three Sticks, Robert Streb, Chickasha's Finest, who got a win on the PGA Tour this fall. Also, Scott Tway's on the back of Brian Harmon, Scott Tway, friend of the show. Uh, name sticking out to you there? Those guys? Hovland, Wolf, Answer, <laughs> Fowler, Harmon, Gooch, Norin, CH3, Streb? I'm going Gooch. Going Gooch. I, no, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to go. You'll, you'll find out later in the show why um, I would have to go, but we have to go with someone different here. And, and you know, caveat yeah, can't here. Take, can't take the same guy. You know, caveat here, boys. You know, we're listing off a lot of names here. If there is someone that we missed in the field, make sure to let us know. Because yeah, we think we, we got them all. We but think we got them all. There's so many guys in the state of Oklahoma playing on the tours. Yep. It, it'd be easy to miss one. You know what? I think I think driving such a precedent here, you got to give, give me Hovland. Hovland. Yep. Hovland's a driving machine. He's, yep. uh, what, top sixes in four of his last five starts? Sounds good to me. Yeah, he's on absolute fire. Uh, he, he Instagrammed today and uh, said he needs to have a comeback after his rounds there last year in the uh, USAM when he played there. He said he needs to get it back because uh, like, he hasn't played very well. Good. He got balanced, what, round of 64, I think? 
in 2017, sure. I think I think I read earlier that he got yeah. bounced in the round. That's the year before he won, correct? Yes. Won in 2018. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The year before he won. So wow, how about those back-to-back courses for the USAM? By the way, Riviera and then Pebble. That's the very dumps. next year. Yeah. How about, of, that, how about that exact inverse? Exact inverse of the PGA Tour. We exact go from Pebble inverse. to Riviera. Uh, yep. All right. If y'all are taking those two, then I'm going to go with Wolf. Uh, analytically, you do not have to be accurate off the tee at Riviera. Who do I want to hit the ball a long ways and not necessarily hit the fairway? I'm going to go Matthew Wolf whenever it comes down to that one. So, uh, all right, Sam, you've got Gooch, you've got Hovland Taylor, and I've got Matthew Wolf amongst the local guys. Now, the course itself, uh, Riviera, I, I don't know about y'all. I think if I were to rank my top 10 holes on the PGA Tour, then number 10 at Riviera would make the list of top 10 for me. Do y'all hold it in that high regard, or am I just a little little higher on it? Well, I know that like when we had um, Taylor Gooch on our show, he, he mentioned how it's it can be a great hole from a spectator perspective, but actually playing the hole isn't a whole lot of fun. And so, you know, from real, a, real quick, just for our listeners, for those who aren't as familiar with the golf course, number 10 at Riviera, short par four, 290 roughly is what it's going to gonna play. Yeah. Very narrow green that runs long ways from left to right, bunkers in the front and back. Very difficult to get a ball to hold that green. Yeah, and you're, and you're hitting at a diagonal angle, so it's not like it's a straight narrow green and you can just hit it that straight there's there's really no way to get the you can get the ball on the green but it's like if, the, if there's a back pin you're not going to hit it to three feet like you well, would on a normal and the drivable par the four. thing that makes 10 so tough is because even if you do lay up and especially to that back right pin um you know it's it's still a really tough wedge shot not even to just get close but to hold the green and then if you go for it and hit in one of those bunkers i mean you could be playing ping pong for a couple hours so you know what i mean so basically uh, number 10, a great risk-reward hole. So Yeah, I think it's one of the best risk-reward holes uh, on the tour. Now, the only time it kind of takes the risk-reward out of it is if you top it off the tee like Harold Varner did last <laughs> did year. Did he top he was it? I didn't the- see it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right. We didn't see I it. I didn't see it happen. <laughs> Did it happen? I don't we know. We didn't see it. Stone I didn't see Kevin Stroman's ho- uh, hole out last week either. I don't think either one of them happened. Something about the 10th <laughs> hole. Something about when they make the turn from the front to the back. We just can't get a camera on that 10th hole quite quick enough. But what I don't understand is they've always got cameras on 10 at Riviera. So I still don't understand how we didn't see Varner's shot. Because that is, I mean, that is the most popular hole at Riviera. They always have a pro tracer camera behind the tee. They've always got cameras left and right of that green. Because a lot of guys will spray it out left of the green pin high or even try to get a little past the green like kind of way left 30 40 50 yards left and then hope they're not stymied up against a tree and they can pitch up the long part of the green that way but i mean even if you do that you're still risking that you're going to get an okay lie over there you're not going to be behind a tree you're not going to hook it too far left and get yourself in trouble there's just no real good place to hit it on a 290 yard par four and that's why i think it's amazing you know, all the courses are being outdated because they're not long enough, and Riviera has a 290-yard par four that is just, I mean, it's one of the toughest holes on the course for these guys. Hashtag dial it back. Dial and, it back. Got and, to. You know, on that hole, I think, you know, when you when I watch the whole play, I think there's like a 10-yard circle that is the ideal spot to hit from, and that's essentially right in front of the green, where you can just have a straightforward pitch. Short left, by the way, not short right. No, you don't. No, short. No, I mean, if, if well, even if you're short, even if you're short left, even if the green's diagonal, if you're too far left, you're coming at an angle. So I would say the green. I mean, I, I could look it up on Google Earth to get exactly. I'd say it's at what a seventy degree angle or Probably, something like that. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you want to hit it, you know, to where 
because you can kind of see where the where the fairway cuts out like this, where the bunkers are. Where it, I'm using my hands on podcast. It's not really <laughs> efficient, but it goes to the left and comes back, and there's just a little bitty area right in front of the green. But it's so hard to hit that because yeah, yeah. of all the that's things. That's like, like where Phil made eagle from a couple years ago. If depending on where the pin's at, that's like the one place you can score from is if you can get it up just short of the green in short grass yeah. where you can actually control it coming in. Because what we see a lot of times is guys try to try to put it there and then they'll block it just like ten yards too far right and then almost the worst place to be there's a bunker that runs in front of the green and if you're in the rough short of that bunker you're not holding the green. no shot I, I think what we'll see most guys do is play out to the left yeah. where the ideal tee shot is and then they'll have to chip from there with their third yeah number 10 at, at riv is interesting too like most of the time when you have a drivable par four if you can get it up in a greenside bunker that's great you know that's what but, you want yeah but at riviera on number 10 you know um you have to be on the upslope well yeah first of all yeah you're you're betting on you know the ball being on the upslope because that it's you'll see more guys play away from the pen at number 10 at riviera out of the greenside bunker than maybe any hole on the planet yeah, yeah. Know, I you, think so too. Yeah. You know, I think what makes a great hole, guys, I'm, we look at the par fives at Augusta. What's the great thing about them? That you can make an eagle or you can make a double. Yeah. That, that's what's great about it. The, the volatility of a hole is what makes it good, as long as it's fair. And, yeah. you know, from all I've seen, number 10 seems to be a fair hole if you hit it where you need to. And so, like we've seen, we've seen Phil make eagle. We've seen people make sixes, sevens, even eights there, probably even higher if we go back and look on it. And that's really, like you said, Cole, if you push it 10 yards, you have no shot. But if you hook it 10 yards, you hit a tree. You got no shot either. I mean, it's for a 310 yard hole. Just send the USG out there, watch that hole, and they'll learn. Hey, distance isn't the <laughs> damn problem. Because if it was, DJ would be flying it on the green and be back spinning and have eagle putt every time. <laughs> yeah, and for the record, there will be a handful of balls that we see driven onto 10 green this week. You will just not, not very many. You will not see a ball land on the green and stick on the green. You're right. It will yeah. not land on the green and stay. Has to yeah. land short and, and bounce out. And 10 isn't the only gray hole out there either. It's yeah. you got close. 12 and 13 are probably two of the toughest par fours in a row in, in America. In you know, and and I know those played really tough during the USAM, and then also you got the famous bunker in the middle of the green on number six. So yeah. that's a great hole. It Isn't is. It? That's a. Gr- I love seeing guys have to chip off that green because they end yeah. up on the wrong side of the little bunker. I mean, I, I, how many? You think Greenskeeper likes that hole? Imagine uh. being a member out there and having to try to chip over it. You think they have a rule for the members where they say like, you have to it. you have to putt around it? Would you do that though if you were playing Riff and you had to go over that bunker? Would you chip it? Well, with how much you'd be paying in a membership each month, I'd chip it. I'd chip yeah. on every green. You know? I, I would chip it if I, I was out it. there. I would chip it. I mean, if you're in a money game, you have to yeah. chip it. There's Gary Woodland. I mean, I mean, yeah. if you're out just playing by yourself, I mean, you might want to be nice to the course. I mean, that but, kind of but thing. I mean, but my thing is, if you're directly opposite the bunker on six green, because, I mean, again, again, for people who aren't familiar with the course, just draw you a little mental map here. Imagine a green, and imagine someone took a small bunker and put it right in the middle. It's literally a circle green. within a circle. It's a circle within a circle. It's so the green yep. the bunker is inside the green. If you're directly opposite the pin, you I mean, if you're gonna putt it around it, you probably can't get it inside thirty feet. So then you've got two putt from thirty feet for your double. So you gotta chip it. Yep. You'd have to. And and we're gonna we're gonna see that this week on the tour. And you know what's funny is this course it it plays as one of the toughest courses out there, and it's and the first hole is one of the easiest holes out there. I mean, it's a 500-yard par 5 that's straight downhill, and you see everyone either birdies it or eagles it most of the time. So I find it interesting, too, you know, we're talking about this distance thing of how that hole has remained a par 5 this whole time whenever we've seen definitely holes longer than that and even narrower than that and have smaller greens than that play as par 4s. I find that fairly interesting. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And, I think it would be a better holes a par 4. And Yeah, and we're talking about um, – 
you know, the course architecture part of it. Colby mentioned earlier, and I, I might have to disagree with him a little bit on, um, I mean, obviously he's just talking about the analytics of driving the ball at Riviera. Um, but if you go back through the past champions and past guys that have contended at Riviera, I mean, driving the ball is paramount out there because they have this thick Kikuya grass. Um, oh, the Kikuya. Yeah, and so basically... Thick. And so basically what Kikuya does is like it either sits on top and you can have a perfect lie on top of the grass or it can sit down in it and it's really thick, sticky grass, um, not something that you want to be buried into. And, it, you know, I if you're buried in that Kikuya grass, you're not getting more than an eight iron out of it. You know? Yeah, and I think, you know, we look back on – and let's look at some of the guys that won there. Bubba's won there, what, two or three times. Adam Scott's won, won there last year and won back in 2006 or whenever it was. So these guys, I think that it's not necessarily – when Colby talks about accuracy, right, it's it's like it doesn't set up well for the Zach Johnsons and right. the Steve Strickers. But but Steve Stricker has played well there in the past. Well, it, 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 what year did he win? In 2010. 2010. Okay, yeah. And we saw what? In 2013? Yeah, he had that's, one, that's he had back one, when he was kicking ass. Yeah, yeah. He, right. he, he was one of the seven players besides Tiger that averaged more than 2.5 strokes on a year. So, I mean, that's kind right. of a special. Okay, so here, we look back on the list here. We got Phil on there, who, I mean, we know he's not known for hitting it, yeah. hitting it straight by any stretch. James Hahn won there in like 2015, yeah. I think. JB Holmes won in 2019. Yeah. I think, so I think. But it, you, if you look at guys also that runner up, like guys that have contended, you got. DJ, Justin Thomas, Finau, great drivers of the ball, you know. So. Oh, yeah. Finau finished near the top of the leaderboard and didn't win? <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, no, uh, yeah I think – I think when Colby mentions not accuracy, I think it's more total driving emphasis as opposed right. to, like I said, you just you just have to hit it straight because you look at those winners there. I mean, out of of the last fifteen years, I mean, I'm, Mike Weir did win it win it back to back two thousand three yep. two thousand four. He wasn't necessarily the longest guy around, but look at most of those other guys. I mean, they're they're going to be really good drivers of the ball. And yep. one thing that makes this course so great, guys, is it. Like I said, I mean, we got Aaron Badley on there too, Steve Stricker. That's that goes to show that it's whenever you have a course that only sets up for one style of game, it's not a really good course, in my opinion. Yep. You know, you need to have a little bit of variety. And so, while every course will benefit someone who hits it further or whatever, and every course has its tweaks of it benefits so player than another, but this, it brings. It brings a little bit more players into it, but one of the reasons why I think it'll be a little less open field, boys, what do y'all think the strength of uh, field is for this tournament this week? Oh, but strength of field? It's good. You, you can guess right. It was 141 last week. I'm guessing I'm guessing 400. 400? I'm one, trying to think. We had 141 last week. Cole is exactly right. I, I don't think it is 400. I think it's uh, 620. Oh. Man, Colby, you almost nailed it. Did I really? 628. Wow. Ooh. I thought I was going high with 400. Ooh. Me, I did the top 10 in the field this week. Let me read. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, it'll drop a little bit because it still has Daniel Berger in, who's a 13th ranked player. It'll probably the drop to 620 is what it'll probably drop to. I, you, Colby was on to You must have looked or something. I promise I didn't look. That's, <laughs> that's the best guess I'll have all year on strength the field four, guesses. Five, six, yeah. So give, eight, give, of, eight of the top 10 players in, yep. in the world rankings playing this week. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, uh, so for anyone who wasn't listening before Golf Oklahoma, the, the strength of field is – Taylor can probably explain yeah, it a little Yeah, essentially better. it breaks it down into how many of the top 200 players in the world rankings are playing and depending on the whatever tour it is on the last year's rankings, the top 30, I believe, something along those lines. So it's kind of an algorithm-type formula. Essentially, bottom line is the more top 100 players that are in the field, the higher it's going to be. And, right. you know, I mentioned eight of the top 10. I'm I'm scrolling way down here, and it's – I'm. 
we might have 35 of the top 50 players in the field. I'd have to right. count it to be exact. But um, and you keep going down. Everyone seems like almost everyone in the top 100s playing. Um, very few players playing this event who are ranked lower than 200 in the world. I'm, right. I, I could count on probably both my hands here the amount of people lower than 200 in the world, and that's just because it's well now it's turned into an invitational, which it didn't. You know the strength of field and the purse is even higher now. It has the same payout as the Memorial and the Arnold Palmer, which it did not used to. Yeah, and w- one more thing when I was talking about driving the ball, I also wanted to mention Hayden Wood uh, back in that USAM back in 2017. Um, Hayden actually from Edmond North, uh, one of my good buddies, played at high school golf with him. He played college golf at Oklahoma State, uh, the son of Willie Wood. Um, back in 2017, um, in the metal play portion of the USAM, he shot 131 at Riviera um, and Bel Air Country Club, which actually broke Tiger Woods' record of lowest score um, in metal play in the USAM, and he's he was driving the ball great that week. That just proves that hitting the fairway is paramount. Yeah, there. and Ty- so. I'm trying to think back to Tiger's three courses he's played. He won at Pumpkin Ridge, he won at TBC Sawgrass, and he won at um, some course in Rhode Island. I forget the name of it. Nevertheless, for for him to break it at not an easy course, by any stretch right. of imagination, Riviera. I mean that that's it is a so. par 71, but still, I mean, like how, how many guys would take 131 this week starting out? <laughs> I think every single one of them would Everybody. say, hey, can I start on Saturday with 131? Yeah. Every Nine single under, person I'll would. take it. Yeah. yeah, every last one. That's 65, 66 for those of you out there doing the math. That would get you to 11 under through a couple of days. Gentlemen, why don't we dive into our DraftKings picks of the week. We usually do a snake draft. I went first this week, or I went first last week, pardon me. So we'll let one of you two gentlemen Well, well uh, I, I think we first. just need to start whoever, whoever finished higher. Whoever oh, yeah. won the week will just start. So, Sam, you won. Yeah. I finished second. Thank you very little. Um, but, Sam, you can go ahead and start. I'll go second. And, Colby, since you finished fourth, that's just a lot of the money. You can, go, you, can go, you can go last and you get – It was you, disheartening. It was disheartening because we were one, two, three going into Sunday. The whole, the whole week was we were a one, battle. two, three. Well, but I had all those points for Spieth being in first and he's a big choker. So, well, <laughs> so we're start, I told you to come back and buy start. We're starting with the cheapest guy. Start with the cheapest guy. Yep. Cheapest guy, one pick. We'll do snake draft. <laughs> all right. So, I am going with a little bit different strategy this week. Even though I won last week, I'm just changing it up. Different course, different styles. I feel you. Uh, so basically, you're not, you're not going to repeat. By the way, nobody ever repeats. <laughs> uh, we'll see. All right. So ba- basically, I'm picking Brian Gay because he well, uh, get off my Brian Gay picks. I've had Brian Gay the last two weeks. <laughs> well, I picked him this week. Uh, basically. I don't have any reason why other than his $6,000 fit into my other five guys. He's 6 k this so, week. Wow. Yeah. And, and what ridiculous. were you getting him at the last couple weeks? Probably. I got him last week at 6600 I think, last and, week. And he's the only guy in the 6000 range that has any current form whatsoever. Yeah, that so, shows you strength of field, too. Yeah. Last week, strength of field, 141. He cost 6600 on DraftKings. 628 strength of field this week. He cost six grand. So you case. went very top heavy, Sam. Is what it sounded like. Yeah, I am. Yeah, awesome. So I'll go with I'll go with my next pick. I was debating between two players here, guys. I got seventy three hundred as the price. Two players there. The the player I'm not picking is guy who finished second last week, Maverick McNeely. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a good week. You're not picking Maverick. McNeely? I am not. Why do you hate Maverick McNeely? Because I like this other guy better. Fair enough. Uh, his name, Colby. You were on him a couple weeks ago. I can't remember the tournament. Luke List. Oh yeah, bomber. Had him in Phoenix. Uh, I think last last three events has finished. Farmer story. Th- he finished 10th at, at Torrey, um, finished 30th at the Farmers, 21st at the American Express. So, since his miscut at the Sony, which is, of course, it really doesn't set up very well for him, hasn't finished worse than 30th and um, has had five appearances here since 2016, boys. Only one miscut, and every time he's made the cut, worst finish is 30th. So, for 7,300, that's why I went with him over McNeely, but I was really flip a coin between those two. 
Yeah, I like that pick. I think you're in a good spot there. I will go ahead and start down at 7,400. So I like you, Taylor. I'm starting a little bit more uh, in the mid-range with a guy by the name of Lanto Griffin. Lanto has played some good golf on the West Coast Swing. He's played some good golf in California. Hits his irons well. I like Lanto this week at Riviera. And I've got to make two picks, so why don't I go ahead and throw out the 2015 champion of this event, a guy who played well two weeks ago in Phoenix. It is the dancing man himself, James Hahn. James (laughs) Hahn at 7,500. He's won here. Uh, Missed the cut last week. Who cares? I mean, the last three winners have come off missed cuts, so I'm, I'm done writing guys off for a while who missed the cut the previous week. So I'll take James Hahn with decent form a couple weeks ago in Phoenix and a previous winner at this event. Yeah, and I believe when James Hahn did win, Kobe, I think he had missed like nine cuts in a row or like 10 of 12 or so. He was on like the worst, one of the worst forms imaginable. He was one of those 6,000 guys on DraftKings. Yeah. I'm pretty, like sure, I'm pretty sure he had missed eight in a row. Something like that. I'm pretty that, sure yeah. eight was the number. Nine, I can six. actually find you his betting odds quickly because I already had it pulled up. Nine sounds good. Uh, so let me scroll up on this tab here. James Hahn was 200 to 1 to win this event in 2015 when he cashed it and got the trophy. Pretty impressive. That would have been a nice bet to have on. Yep. Um, my next guy, Kobe, I thought when you said 7,400, you were going to take my player, and I thought he was going to be cursed. And really, I'm going off of a little bit of form here. Like same, same as Luke List, made three straight cuts, um, finished 23rd here last year. But the main reason I'm picking him, guys, I was a week early on Daniel Berger. I'm going to be a week early on him. Give me Sam Burns, 7,400. So you had him last week. You're sticking with it. I didn't have him on DraftKings. I had him in the one and done, which is a kiss of death. I was going to say, that's worse. It it is, and I apologize (laughs) to who I'm going to pick in the one and done later. I feel really bad. But go ahead, Sam. This pick, I mean, could not have come to me. It was a sign. when I I looked up. I looked on uh, DraftKings this morning, and I saw my guy, Doug Gim. I'm going, I'm riding with my guy, Doug Gim, again. He's 69,000 on DraftKings this week. I'm at 6,900. Sorry, 6,900 on DraftKings. No, no, he's not 69,000. He's (laughs) 6,900 on DraftKings. Also averaging 69.3 on the season. This is a sign. Has made nine of 11 cuts. Oh, I was hoping he made six of nine cuts. No, he has not, but... But my guy, Doug, coming in with some current form and also a little tidbit about Doug Gim is he made the final match in that USAM at Riviera. Even though he hasn't played Riviera as a pro yet, he does have some good history there. Was he on the Was he on the national championship team that won there at Riviera with Spieth or was he too young? No, he's too young. He was too young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he was... He, One year behind? He's my age. That I was think. with Two years maybe? Spieth yeah. and Fertelli were on that team right. when they won. So, right. yeah, that was a long time ago. I got ago, Doug. So. Yep. Man, man, you, you okay. love your Doug. All right, so now I am going with a local guy who I think has the best value this week, Taylor Gooch. God bless. Sam. I mean, he's at 7,200. Um, also, Boy, averaging you went really top heavy. You run out 6,700 so far. Hey, Gooch has played his last eight rounds at Riviera is positive two shots on the field strokes gained. And in two, in 2020, he actually shot a 64. And like you guys said, I actually heard it on y'all's show back uh, whenever you had Taylor Gooch on the podcast said that Riviera is his favorite course. He so, loves he loves Riviera. People who who play at their favorite course traditionally play well. Hasn't finished worse than twentieth here in two appearances. Really hard to go wrong with that pick, Sam, and you'll know why later on. Unfortunately, so I'm going <laughs> to go with my next cheapest guys. I'm I'm flirting right around with the mid seven thousands. Had him last week. He finished um, I believe seventh. Let me make sure to get his some of his recent form up. But that is guy kind of going a little bit under the radar. Cameron Chingali. 
Tringali's playing okay. good golf. Yep. That's a good pick. 7,600. And looking at this, boys, going back to 2012, has only missed one cut in one, two, three, four, and eight appearances here at Riviera. Only one missed cut in, in that many appearances. And going back, guys, I don't see a missed cut since Halloween of last year. He's got 29th, finished third RSM, uh, seventh last week, and 17th and 18th at Tory and Waste Management. So really good form, mid-7,000s. I don't know how I could pass that up. Yeah, and I'll be honest, this next pick that I'm about to make, I actually don't even know if y'all have this guy rostered, and I feel like you already regret not rostering him because that's how good this next pick is. And it's Carlos Ortiz. Carlos I Ortiz, I mean, that was like a, a plug-and-play option for me at the start of the week. His last six events since he won in Houston, he had the win, 8th at Mayakoba, 37th at Century, 14th at Sony, 29th at Torrey, and then 4th in Phoenix. He's also played this event four times, his worst finish in those four uh 26th is his worst finish in those four starts, and he finished ninth here in 2019. So he got the form, playing good golf, and uh, he's played pretty well at this course. So I'm going to roster Carlos Ortiz at 7,800, and then I'm going to go into the 8,000s with a guy who's playing maybe not the best golf of his career. That's probably when he won at Quail Hollow, but he's approaching it with the way he's played over the last six weeks or so, and that's Max Homa. Plays well here. He's from the area, so I like Max Homa this week at 8,200. He loves the California swing. Max been playing well and um you know that's one thing whenever we talk about taylor i'll bring max up later on and so you know my next pick boys guy who has played very well across the pond um these last couple tournaments finished 12th and 6th i don't i don't remember the exact order paul is it paul feinbaum no, 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 no. Paul Casey? No, 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 no. no. Paul SCC, They're basically the same person. Yeah, pretty much. So, so the last two appearances across the pond in those really heavy strength of field European tournaments, hasn't finished worse than 12th. And in, let me see here, in eight appearances, very same Tringali, only one miscut. That's Sergio Garcia, 7,700. I think that he has good value this week. And guys playing well, only one miscut in eight appearances. Same with Tringali. I think it's really good mid-value pick. Just a little bit cheaper than your Carlos Ortiz. Let me ask you this. Do y'all feel like it's just always a risk to roster Sergio? Because anytime I, I run him out a few times a year, and every time I do, I always feel queasy about it. Yeah, he, he's very he's he's kind of like day with the non injury aspect where it's just. You, By the way, I got a T seven last week for my day one and done. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> Thank you yeah, for that T seven. Thanks. Yeah, was, my guy was topping it off the T box. Eduardo's brother. At least he made the cut before he got the tops. <laughs> That's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, he didn't do it on Friday or Thursday. So I gave my pick, Sam. You got two more. All right. So I am going to go with a past champion. I'm going to go with Bubba Watson at <sighs> eighty nine hundred. He's has current form. His bit, last bit round the cheese, at, bit the cheese. Last round at waste management, he shot sixty five. He also shot a pair of sixty fives in the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek this year in twenty twenty one. He has some current form. Great driver of the ball. Past champion. Eighty nine hundred. No brainer. DraftKings this week. Eighty nine hundred. No brainer. I want to read through his his recent finishes here, guys. I'll, I'll read through them. Going twenty twenty backwards. At, this is at the Genesis. Miscut last year. 15th, 1st, withdrew, 1st, 14th, 1st, <laughs> miscut, 13th, withdraw, miscut, 17, 14. Well, if he so, finishes, so, so it's been the last decade. <laughs> finishes seventeenth when he when he actually submits four rounds. <laughs> so, so in the last decade, he's won it three times and he was withdrawn here twice. Yeah. And another point Talk about, about risk reward. <laughs> another point about Bubba. We were talking earlier with Colby. Um, we were talking about. Augusta National, how it matches up with Riviera and Bubba. It's a pretty Wa- good indicator, and, yeah. And Bubba Watson has won at both of those. And basically, what we were talking about with Colby was um, 
Augusta National and guys that play well at Augusta National are also really good. Um, it's a good indicator, like Colby said. A, a, a total so. of five wins for Bubba at both those courses. Right. So, I mean, that's saying something. Right. So, who's your next pick, sir? All right. So, my next pick is my guy, Brooks Kepka. Ooh. Okay. He, he did me right when I put him in the DraftKings at the Waste Management. He's 9,700. Um, averaging 69.6 on the year, which is but nice. he's still a little cheaper than guys like Shoffle, and, Rom, And JT, I wanted to say, as far as the betting odds go, I think Brooks Kepka is your best. Brooks and Bubba are both your best value as far as the betting odds go. Bubba is uh, plus 4,500, and Brooks is plus 2,000 uh, on the on the week. So, so tw- I mean, 21 odds for yeah. Kepka? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not going to get that lot of turn. Yeah. 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 That lot of turn. And you, like I said, uh, Sam, you had faith in him. We got th- we had three missed cuts in a row. You ran him out for when he won. Um, the only thing I'm seeing here, he's only played here twice. Best finish is 43rd. So I mean, if he is going to win, I think he would. He he's not a typical horse for course type of guy, but you know he likes his venue, and it's not a major championship. So, but right. he did win last tournament, which wasn't a major. So maybe he's quit the trend. Um, my next guy, my pick, guys. I cannot believe I'm able to get him as cheap as I am. Just just listen to the recent form. 3rd, 2nd, 13th, 17th, 1st, 38th, 8th, um, going back finished 12th as well. Last three appearances here, 17th, 15th, and 4th. Well, you and said, he's you not, said 1st somewhere in the recent finishes, so I know it's not Fina or Shoffley. Correct, <laughs> correct. And I do not know how he's less than 10,000. That's Patrick Cantley. I mean, yep. he, he loves this place, been playing really well, and I can get someone, I can get him for less than 10,000, I can put another big dog on top of him. Man, this lineup's looking better and better by the minute. Yeah, Cantlay and Shoffley both shy of ten grand on DraftKings. I considered both. I had some extra left over, so I didn't end up with either one. Uh, my last two players, I've got Mark Leishman at eighty six hundred. I think this will set up well for him. We've seen him play well in California. He went through just, I mean, basically borderline yips last summer, and then it seems like he's gotten his game back and he started to play well again. So I like Leishman this week at eighty six hundred, and then I actually had Xander in my lineup at ninety nine hundred, but then I had six hundred left over. So I was able to bump up, and this is a hard decision because I was between Xander and Rom. I could afford either one I wanted. Rom's 500 more expensive. It's just, you know, it's kind of dealer's choice on those two this week. I would like to plug and play the guy who I think actually has a chance to win the tournament, not just top five or runner-up. So I'm taking John Rom over Xander Schauffele in that spot as my most expensive at 10400 13th at Waste Management, 7th at, at Farmers. Two appearances here, 17th and 9th. John Rahm, my most expensive, you freaking copycat. <laughs> We've both been on John Rahm a lot in the last How month. How can you not? I mean, he's, How look, can you not? look at this. I mean, the, the recent form just speaks for itself. His only finish outside the top 13 in his last time he ever starts and it uh, was at American Express where he didn't even show up. He withdrew like Berger did this week. So, I, haven't, I haven't done I mean, the exact math, but I, I don't think uh, Sam has John Rahm. I don't have John Rom. I have did? DJ. I was fixing to say. I'm going you chalk. Lo- you love DJ on yesterday on our show. You yeah. are, you were calling it. DJ, there's no way he loses this week. I guarantee. I, this is a Charles Barkley guarantee that DJ wins this See, week. Here's so the problem, why are you going to bet Kepka at 20 to 1 then if it's a guarantee win? You're going to throw away money. No, you bet Kepka top ten, and then you bet DJ. Okay, top. Okay, top but ten. It, I'm okay, saying, like I'm saying, I was saying the odds for the people that don't think it's a guarantee. Okay, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. So not everyone's my, my on thing, your same track. My thing is, I like to pick a guy who's on form, and that's why I stayed away from DJ because DJ, <laughs> <laughs> because DJ since the PGA Championship, which was on August sixth, he has one finish outside the top ten, and that was eleventh at the Century. By the way, that 11th is the only finish outside the top six. He was sixth at the U.S. Open, and that finish at the U.S. Open is the only finish since August 6th that DJ has outside the top two. Outside the top two. 
Dude's a machine. He's a machine, but machine. I couldn't I couldn't afford him in my DraftKings lineup. So, I mean, honestly, if I were to pick one winner, no odds, no anything. Yeah. It's probably DJ. Yeah. Because the dude just wins. Just just won a couple weeks ago at the at the Saudi International strength of field was three ninety five there. So you know it was a lot higher strength of field than the uh, Pebble Beach was last week. So goes to show that I mean this this man it doesn't matter where he teases up at he's going to be a contender no matter what. So no I doubt. mean it, there's he was the most expensive on DraftKings. It's really hard to go against it for me yep. boys. I went with value. If I can get John Rahm the number two player in the world for the fourth most expensive on DraftKings, it was yep. hard for me to pass. That's that kind of what I was thinking as well. Uh, this seventy third hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma, Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, and Sam Humphreys with you and this is what I need you to do now head over to golfoklahoma.org and you can subscribe to the email list listen to the podcast but you can also find a great story about David Jones about him trying to play every course in the state of Oklahoma there are hundreds of courses in the state of Oklahoma and he is close also he is going to be on Katrick and McGinnis on tap tomorrow 4 o'clock Wednesday February 17th 4 o'clock central time by the way this is a show that I listen to whenever I'm in the car I'll probably be in the car at this time tomorrow because I'm headed to New Mexico to New Mexico, so I will have on David Jones, on Katrick and McGinnis on tap with Brian Katrick and John McGinnis, 4 o'clock tomorrow, Sirius XM, uh, Sirius 208 XM 92, also David Jones, he is the superintendent at the club at Indian Springs, so head over to GolfOklahoma.org, check out that story, and then listen to him tomorrow on uh, XM 92 and Sirius 208, Katrick and McGinnis on tap, 4 o'clock central time. Gentlemen, one and done picks. Uh, should we go in order of one and done from last week, since that's what we're doing with DraftKings? Might as well. All right, so I had my man uh, Jason Day last week with T7. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, this week, I'm going to go. You know how I said Sam bit the cheese? I was kind of just giving him a hard time, because I'm also biting the cheese. Oh, there it is. Bubba. Here, I You're don't know welcome. why, but I'm feeling very risk-rewardy here lately. You picked Bubba here last year, I believe, when he missed the cut. I did pick Bubba here last year when he missed the cut. I'm not going to let it scar me. You know why? He misses the cut every other time he tees it up here. And you know what he does when he doesn't miss the cut or WD? He wins the damn tournament. So, I'm going to take Bubba. I don't know if he's going to win. Probably not, because DJ's playing scorched earth golf right now, like something we haven't seen in a decade plus. So, he's probably not going to win the tournament, but Bubba Watson, man. I mean, dude's won here three times, top 15s every time he plays the weekend. Just play four rounds, Bubba. It's all, it's all I asked of Jason Day last week was just play four rounds. All I'm asking of Bubba is play four rounds. So you had Sam Burns last week, number two on the totem pole. What you got? Uh, Sam Sam Burns, yeah, and I'm always weak early, and I'm, I, I promise I'm not doing this because this is our first week being partnered with Golf Oklahoma, but there was just something that stuck out to me. I'm Hear my logic here, Homer, guys. Homer. Yeah, we have eight of the top ten players in the world, right? Sam is very confident DJ is going to win. He may not. Who knows? We got a purse. Winner gets, I believe, 1.6. The majors are worth a little bit more. WGC is about the same. So, I mean, you can go a little bit top-heavy if you want. Only get one pick. My philosophy is, I think one of these big dogs is going to win. Who's going to catch the form, though? I don't know. I, and I don't want to run out a big dog for a potentially 15th finish where you barely get three figures. I'm going to pick a guy who... Has played this course extremely well the two times he's done it. Sam mentioned before, he's been on our show, said it's his favorite course in the world. And I think one thing that's really going to impel him, boys, is that... And I'm, I'm referring to Ted Gucci here, obviously, before, just for anyone who doesn't know. He also mentioned on our podcast that his best friend out on tour is Max Homa, who's getting a lot of attention now for his form, like we mentioned earlier. One of y'all had him picked in your line. I think it's you, Colby. Yeah, I've and, got him. I had him uh, a couple weeks ago in Phoenix, too. Yeah, And uh, so, I mean, he's playing well. And so, I think, I think Taylor's the type of guy to get... 
whenever a, a close friend like that's having success, it can be kind of like a motivator in a sense, yeah. you know, and kind of ride along with the train. So that's why I'm picking him, boys. And um, my one and done is the kiss of death. And if it ends up being it, Taylor, I deeply apologize. But we can throw a little bit of credit on the Sam, too, because I know he has them on his DraftKings lineup. So for our one and done, since I'm new, I have a question. All right, hit me. So our, on our one and dones, are majors worth more? It's uh, about the purse. It's about the purse. So whatever your point total is, is however many dollars your guy made the previous week. So right now your point total is $17,706 because yep. that's what Molinari made last week. I got like two hundred thirty k from Jason Day so, last week, and Taylor got about 40000 so from for, Sam. For Burns. example, Sam, so if you have the guy who wins the Masters, a higher purse, gets about $2.1 million. Right. So you'll get that points. Last week, Daniel Berger won, got about one point three. So about $800,000 difference, even though they both would have won the tournament. Right. I understand. And this purse is worth 1.6? Oh, that's uh, what the winner, winner gets. Yeah. Winner, yeah. 1.6. Oh, purse yeah. is probably 10 million, oh, but winner right, gets right, like right. 1.6. I mean, yeah. winner, yeah. I'm going DJ. Ooh. Run so you big just, you're really confident he's going to I got to get back in the game. I, I, joined, I joined you guys late um, on this one and done thing, uh, and we made the rule that I would start at zero, but I would be able to have every golfer to pick from. DJ's not losing this week. I'm running out DJ. Hey. I mean, if only we had I mean, some more weeks to go. I mean, it's only middle I mean, middle of February. I think season's ending next week, isn't it? I mean, are you really going to run out a guy who decided not to play Bebel last week because he was too busy celebrating his winnings? <laughs> <laughs> All Absolutely the dude does not. is win. All the dude yep. does is win. Uh, so I looked at the betting odds uh, One, one thing today. I will throw out yeah, for, for the one and done pool, guys. I, I know that on, on our pool we do it. Um, I'm not sure other pools do. You know, like We have the West Coast Swing segment where there's a little bit of extra bonus pool in there if you win that so like an example our pool get essentially double your entry back if you win one of those segments so if you're really close up there in, in one of your segment pools when you do it I, I feel very confident running out of dj or someone like that because you're going to get your entry feedback and more if you end up picking the winner which is what something i did a couple years ago so yeah right. just or, or like throw the, one, the one we have has like a majors and wgc segment so you yeah. can like try to load up in these little segments they have to a, make a your playoffs one so you'll, you'll see a lot of people save all their good players for the playoffs right. to try to win that segment so yeah. yeah it's something to keep in mind if you're picking on so it, I, I have no chance to win the West Coast segment in our pool, so I'm yeah, not I don't gonna, either. And when I look at a thing like Data Golf uh, about DJ, I'm looking at this, and it says his win, his percentage to win this week is 13.9%. Before the tournament even starts. That's before ridiculous. the tournament even starts. That's, I mean, that's in a field, a strength of field 628. He's, not, know, he's playing with eight of the top 10 players in the world. You know what I would have loved to have seen back in the day? I would have loved to have seen what Tiger's percentage was to win like Bay Hill in like 2004. Six or something. I would have loved to. It, it had to have been like in the thirties or forties. I think yeah. I mentioned this, and I, and I didn't forget that. I forgot to ask you guys what What do y'all think Tiger's chokes gain was in two thousand? Oh, we never God. answered it. We did never answer that, did we? Uh, total strokes gained. Yep. We don't. We don't have individual, unfortunately. Give me four point two zero. Very close. What do you got, Sam? Is there a reason why four twenty? Oh no, it's just totally random number. Four point two zero. Four point two three. Four point two nine. Four point two. Per round. Damn, Tiger. Per round. So he's gaining 16.8 shots on the field per tournament for a calendar year. Wow. It's insane. I mean, that's, yeah. I don't know that we'll, we'll probably never see anything like that again. Never will. No. I mean, any, I, I, anything I, even close to that. Is anybody else over three for a year? Not not besides Tiger, no. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, well um, let me rephrase. Over the last six months, DJ is plus uh, 3.79. But he's okay. only played two. That's um, I don't even think that's including the uh, the Saudi tournament. So that um, show you might even be higher. I yeah. mean, so DJ DJ's on another level. And I, I, Sammy may be on to some. It's just when you got this high of strength of field, 
it's hard to trust one guy. That, that, that's yeah. just the way I see it. But if you're going to trust one, make it DJ. And you wrote the betting odds down, Sam. You already gave out Bubba and Brooks. I'm looking here. I've got DJ at 6-1 to one is what I'm seeing right now. Okay. Yeah, I six saw him at 5-1 to one is, earlier. I, here's what I would do. So, like, I'm a guy. I like to throw, like, $10 on five golfers a week and hope one of them hits and I can make, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, depending on what the odds are. What I might do this week is throw 10 on DJ at 6-1. to one. Because then if he ends up winning, it covers the rest of my bets for the week, and he's playing such good golf, I think it's worth it right now. But then I can come down a little bit further, and, I mean, you can get Rom at 12-1, to 1, Rory at 13-1, to 1, Xander at 14-1, to 1, Thomas at 14-1, to 1, Cantlay at 15-1. to 1. I just named off five of the absolute best players in the world who have a great chance to win this tournament. I seriously might just bet DJ and then those five guys – and then I've got the top six guys in the field, and if any of them win, I make money. I will say one more guy, depending on what you think of him, Spieth is at 3,300 this week. Back-to-back 54-hole leads. Back-to-back 54-hole leads. But, I mean, obviously driving the ball is paramount out at Riviera, but his current form's pretty good. Current well, form's good. When we bat, and, you know, boys, as much as I would love to see um, our friend of the show, Taylor, win my one-and-done pick, I, I truly believe Colby's on to something. I think that one of these big dogs is going to win. I think it's just going to be a matter of who. I mean, one guy we even even brought up, guys, Deschambeau. Yeah. Who we talk about? Who if he's on if he's on his best form, no one can beat him because he's hitting at three eighty down the middle of the fairway. So the well, bow show. So I let, mean, let's say he it's gonna it going to be interesting to see how he plays Riviera. I, I know. And then looking down, even we talk about Rory. Is he going to get it together? Rory, um, looking down, yep. Shoffley's been playing really good. And um, JT's had really good form at Riviera. He has. Before, he he so. hasn't been playing very well since uh, the unfortunate microphone incident out of then, Hawaii. So yeah, hopefully he can rebound from um, that. The bad news about his grandpa as well. Oh yeah, so. that that was absolutely horrible. What was yeah, it? The waste management where he played the final yeah, round was, and had, yeah, how, how are you supposed to play him? I, I, I one year I tried to play the Oklahoma <clears throat> Open. My grandpa passed away. I think two days before, and there there's just no way to play yeah, golf when you just, do that. It, it's impossible. Yeah. And you you got to feel for someone in that case. There's no, there's no way you can. So I, I mean, hopefully he's able to uh, rebound for, from really both of those things because he really hasn't been playing too particularly well, right. excluding what those first three rounds at waste management. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen. Great stuff. Everybody. Golf. Oklahoma.org. Subscribe to the email list. Listen to the podcast right there. That link will update every time we put a new link up. You can find it at GolfOklahoma.org. You can also find it at The73rdHole.com. Follow all social medias, Golf Oklahoma and The73rd Hole. And then you can follow Taylor, myself, and Sam on Twitter as well. We would love to hear from you. Anything you think that we should talk about on the show, let us know. Tweet us. Hit us up. Uh, let us know. You can go to The73rdHole.com. Contact us there. That comes straight to my email uh, if you go over and let it fly right there on the 73 thirdhall.com more great golf this week it is snowmageddon in oklahoma so i'm actually leaving i'm gonna head to the snow in new mexico <laughs> to have a little bit of fun on the hills out there gotta leave the snow to get to the snow sometimes sound logic Kobe. to have a little bit of fun 100 so uh everybody have a great week we're back with you next monday thanks once again for listening to the 73rd hole the official podcast of golf oklahoma